5AA Nights with Matthew Pantelis. Dave Renicki, editor of Astro Space News. Hello, Dave. Yeah, good evening, Matthew. Good to be back with you. Yeah, indeed. <laughs> so, um, William Shatner, is he seriously <laughs> going up into space? Well, he's been around the universe. Yes. I mean, why, why doesn't he just give this one a shot? Yeah, yeah he is. Turns 90 um, wow. this year. And, uh, yeah, he's taken the opportunity to, uh, to to sort of take the invitation from Jeff Bezos, who said, look, we want you to come for a ride. Would you like to go into space? He's always been keen on going into space, but I know two years ago he knocked the idea back. He didn't mm. want to get killed. He said, I'm too young to die. Well, <laughs> he's changed his mind in a couple of years because... Elon Musk wanted to do it as well. Can you imagine the publicity value that Bezos is going to get out of that? <clears throat> so I think Captain Kirk's going to go for a little ride. William Shatner is uh, set to blast off for about a 15-minute ride, Matthew. It's not going to be a long duration of the stay, but I think you'll see this happen. The only thing that worries me is about Bill, that he does change his mind, and um, it, it seems to be a strange coincidence that he's bringing out a book or something like uh. that about the same time. So <laughs> it could be. Look, I'm not saying it's a publicity yeah. stunt, for gosh sake. But no. Oh, that's yeah. great. Is he going to wear his, uh, his old uniform? Yeah, they say he's going to do that. Really? Yeah, he, he, uh, well, look, why not? I mean, can you imagine the publicity? The photos would be all over yeah. the place. He's a Canadian, too. He's not an American. Oh, right. Okay. Yeah, he's got a very long association with NASA, though. A lot of people don't know that he started to narrate short movies uh, or short films for them Okay. way back in the 70s, one called The Universe. And he's worked on many projects since, given his voiceover to that. Because one thing about William Shatner, you can you can pick him when he talks, you know, you know yeah, who, yeah, you're, yeah. who you're talking to, and he's got that air of, air of authority yeah. about him. And a lot of people will... When they they listen to William Shatner, they'll they'll believe it. Yeah, <laughs> he's been okay. he's been across the universe, isn't wow. he? Well, I hope he smokes one of his cigars from Boston Legal on the way up. That'll be cool. But mm. uh, anyway, all right, um, good on him at ninety. That's great. Um, a solar storm is there one coming that could knock out the internet for months, or are we just worried about it? Both, yeah. Oh, okay. Look, the possibility is always there. I mean, we could be hit by a massive asteroid and life could be yeah. wiped out. Yeah. There's so many things that could happen. Uh, this is one of those scare things that do come out from time to time. I think it's been taken a little bit too literally. We did have an event in 1921 that just did cause a lot of uh, concern here. There were you know, telegraph operators at the time who were actually getting um, shocked through their equipment, the old Morse code. Wow. These these solar flares are pretty dangerous. And, and the thing about the sun at the moment, Matthew, is it's starting to become pretty active. We don't know why. It's in a cycle now. It's going through a, a period now of, of activity after a long bit of a long sort of a lull. Mm. And every 11 years, stars do that, or our sun does. Every 11 years, it becomes active, and then it becomes inactive for a little while, called the solar minimum and the solar maximum. Well, in the past month or so, we've been getting a lot of solar flares, and we're seeing them here too with our equipment and sunspots as well. And sunspots, we think, were a precursor to a solar flare. Now, the people who monitor this, the National Centre for Atmospheric Research, said we could expect a CMA, and that's called a mass ejection, claimed at, uh, aimed at the Earth very soon. Wow. If it does, and it's, it's, it's of a violent nature, but it's pretty strong, it could, could knock out the um, the internet system, the, the communication system we've got around the earth. Now, you can imagine the job you've got. 
you know, let alone air companies that, that, or airlines that need these satellites for navigation, you guys would be put out of business. You wouldn't have it, and, and so many other people would. It would cause literally trillions of dollars worth of damage. Yeah. So they are saying be prepared for it because the big one could be coming well, our way. I, and then again, they've been saying San Francisco is going to disappear too. Yeah, that's right. Well, I've got Look, 20... I, I don't know. These sort of things come and go, you know, but we, we, are, we do know the sun. Our sun is, uh, is in a stage of development. It's halfway through its life cycle. It's only a, only a middle-aged person at the moment. It's, it's got a long way to go before it dies, I think. Mm-hmm. Well, I've got 26 years long service uh, waiting up my sleeve, I think, Dave, so I might, might no, need to I take some okay. of that, you'll you reckon? Right. You'll, yeah, you'll, you'll retire from radio with your gold watch, you'll be right. Oh, yeah, sure. Um, don't we have a magnetic field around the Earth that bounces most of this away? That's interesting you should bring that up. The reason we don't get cooked here, and, the, and, and this is one thing we need to know when we do find planets around other stars that mm. we can go to, do they have the protective layer that we've got? Mm. Pretty, pretty rare, planet Earth, when you look at it. We've got a magnetic field around the Earth. We've got an ozone layer that protects us from the radiation from the sun. And um, we've got this, this beautiful position we are just in the right distance from the star. So it's not too hot and not too cold. But that magnetic field is very important. Without that, we lose our surface pressure and the atmosphere would blow the... Well, the sun would blow the atmosphere away. Wow. You know, that's what happened on Mars. We think Mars, uh, the Mars has lost its magnetic field, Matthew. We don't know why. We think something rammed into Mars a long time ago and, and shattered it to its foundation. So Mars has not got the magnetic field. The atmosphere, whatever was there at the time, uh, was washed away over a period of time. And now it's a dead, dry, barren world. We, mm. we, we can't survive on that planet without an oxygen layer, and you can't have an oxygen layer without a magnetic yeah. field. So when we when we go there and try and, you know, make this place another home, it's not going to be an easy job. But we are very, very lucky. This planet here is something very, very, very interesting. It could be so different um, that it could be a fluke, you know. I mean, mm. there may not be many flukes out there. When we look at the possibility of other life out there, we might find planets like our own, but do they have? What we've got here. Yeah. There's so many things we've got going for us, and we don't appreciate it. And you know, it's interesting. One of the astronauts, a, a, a quote I remember, was was they were asked, "What's the what's the Earth like from the moon? What does it look like?" Well, Aldrin summed it up when he said, "We looked at the the, the moon, and it was so bright. The Earth, it was so bright from the moon. When, when you see full moon here, full Earth is about three or four times brighter." Yeah. And he said, when we saw the Earth there, all you can see are clouds and the blue of the ocean and tanned areas where the, the land is. Mm. And this is a quote that, that really got me. He said, do you know what we didn't see? We didn't see any borders. <laughs> interesting, isn't it, when yeah. you think about it? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. That is interesting. It says it all, really. It says what the problems down here are all about, essentially. But anyway... Um, Talking about Mars and colonising Mars, so NASA's obviously been working at this for some time, so is Elon Musk, as we know, and um, people have been chosen now, I understand. it. Any special requirements? Yeah, there are. This is quite interesting. I mean, here we are talking about the fact that there are people being chosen now to go to Mars. Mm. I mean, are we really at the stage where... We're choosing a crew to go to the Red Planet. Well, it looks that way because there's a, a test being put together now. Well, not a test, but they're putting together a, 
habitat to, to live in. Sure, these have been done before, but this is going to be a little bit different. Four people are going to be chosen to take a simulated trip to Mars. They're going to be isolated for up to one, up to one year in a very small area, 158-square-metre space. And it's called Mars Dune Alpha with no windows. You're going to be crammed up in there. And the only thing you're going to eat is space food. In other words, what you can make there mm-hmm. and grow on board. And, and the stuff that you come with is already pre-packed. They'll have their own rooms. They'll have their own bathroom. They'll have uh, all the, the luxuries that they can get or we can get or put in there. And we're going to see if they can survive this. Now, they're being chosen in 2022. There's a, a requirement you must be between 30 and 55 years Dang, I just missed out on that. <laughs> uh, you've got to be in good physical condition, fluent in English, have a master's degree or a scientific uh, engineering degree, non-smoker, and you've got to be an American resident. So this is only for the for the states, but we are now at the point where we're looking at selecting um, people, the right sort of people, to go and you know go and do this to, to do that. Uh, Mars is the focal point now. We want to be there. China want to have a base on there by 2033. They've announced that. Um, and they have their own project to get there uh, by 2033. By 2035, the Earth and Mars will be very close, and there's a good time to, to really launch there. So watch out for this. We're, we're looking now at choo- choosing the people to go there. I think the eventual crew, people have asked me, what do you think it would be? I think it would be a mixed crew. You've got to have that. I think it would be... Um, There'll be four men and three women. Uh, usually it's seven that they look at. I don't know why that number keeps coming mm. up. It's a common number, and it's, um, it's one they use on the space station yeah. quite often. Yeah. So when we go there, we, we're going to have people who are profiled, who have been through it. It's a dry run, in other words, and, and you've got to do that. This is not just next door. This is a, an eight-month journey. Yeah. Uh, it, it cammed up in little tin cans, so you've got to make sure that you get them there in good condition. They don't rip each other apart. Yeah, exactly mm. right. Wow. Imagine that. Imagine mm. like a um, uh, ten little, what was that book by Agatha Christie, Ten Little Indians, whatever it was, and, uh, you know, slowly they're knocking each other off anyway. Um, yeah. Now, a new planet. Uh, astronomers, mm. we've, we've often... There's been a lot of conjecture about the possibility of something knocking, uh, is it Pluto or Neptune off its orbit? And they are giving yeah. a wobble out there, and they reckon it's a planet, but no one's found it to date. How they find these is interesting. When we go way back, we, we, we find that the discovery of Neptune, Neptune was found without a telescope. It was, it was look, around the 1800s, <clears throat> excuse me, they were looking for another world out there when they discovered Uranus. They, they were looking for another world out there, and, and the reason was that Uranus was being caused to wobble in its orbit. Mm. We didn't know why. Now, the mathematicians at the time said that you will find it here if you look. They worked out how they do this, I don't know. They worked out when the wobble took place, how much it was, in what direction, and by mathematically computing this without computers, yeah. uh, without without. Putting this down, they came to a point where they said to the astronomers, if you look there, you should find it. We did. We found Neptune. We found Pluto pretty much the same way. Pluto was, was causing Neptune to wobble. And the, the, you know, the inference was that there's another world out there. Well, we found it in 1930. Yeah. But it shouldn't have been called a planet. Pluto was never really 
should have, should have never have been designated a planet because it came inside the orbit of Neptune, mm-hmm. um, and it didn't clear its path. It, it had a lot of problems with it. Mike Brown was the one that killed Pluto. Now, he's the one we're talking about now. He's now called the planet killer. Just a, a comical <laughs> tag he's got. He doesn't like it. But what they found is working with the California Institute of Technology, uh, after many years, they come up with the idea that there's another world out there, and they're looking at the Kuiper belt. When we look at our solar system, there's a ring of rock around the outside, out past Pluto, called the Kuiper belt. Um, And and this is where comets and things come from. There's an Oort cloud out there as well. Rings of rocky, icy material, and they're seeing a disturbance in the force. Mm. They think there's another world there. Mike Brown said they're 99.6% confident that's pretty good, yeah. uh, that there's another world and they'll find that within the next year or so. So there could be a giant world out there. And he's saying it's that they're thinking with the amount of disturbance they've got there, this could be about six times the mass of the Earth. So it could be a pretty, wow. pretty large world. So, I yeah. mean, if that's out there, surely... I mean, I, t- I, get, I, I get why we couldn't have found it, but with all mm. the telescopes just peering into the sky these days, I mean, it's not the 1830s anymore. Surely... Surely we must have spotted it by now. It's amazing that we haven't, isn't it? Yeah. Um, yeah, but this could be a long way away. We we don't know how far. Mm. Uh, the further they are, further they are, the less light that they'll bounce back, and they're pretty hard to detect. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. I agree with you there. I, I, th- I would have thought that had there been anything out there, yeah. of course, we found two or three other you know sizable worlds out there that out past Pluto. Marky Marky's one of them, and. Eris is the other yeah, one. Yeah. It's the reason Pluto was demoted. But where do you where do you put the marker for the end of the solar yeah. system? I'm just wondering. You've got to have you've got to have that um, city limit sign somewhere. <laughs> I think we're just going a little bit too far. Yeah. They should have left Pluto like it was, Matthew. Everything was fine up until then. <laughs> That's right. Exactly. We all had our little rhymes, didn't we? You know, yeah. you had at school there that you'd you'd say um, to to remember the planets and. Bingo, Mike Brown comes along. But anyway, that, that's science. And I remember a science teacher once that we went to a, a school and did a talk to them. Yeah. And I, I admired this bike because he had a really pragmatic way of looking at life. And he taught his students the same way. And, and I said to him, what's your method in teaching science? You, know, you got a pretty good rapport. He said, I tell them that science is all about change. And and he said to them, never believe anything that you're told as being gospel. Mm-hmm. But somewhere down the line, someone's going to find out that's wrong. And and in most cases, that is the way of science. Mm-hmm. So it, it's exploration, it's observation, deduction, analysis. Yeah. And it was, that's what makes life interesting, I think. Yeah, it is indeed. Hey, Dave, we'll take a quick break. We've got Graham to have a chat. And I want to uh, ask you about earthquakes on Mars. We'll do that next. Yeah. 5AA Nights with Matthew Pantelis. We've got Graham on the line, Dave. Hi, Graham. Hey, Dave and Matthew. Hey, Graham. Uh, as I always do, I love space stuff. Yeah, Pluto is an interesting um, subject to study. It was actually named after the dog, dog. Pluto. No, it wasn't. <laughs> no, it, it was named uh, by, um, by a young Quite girl. No, no. There was a contest in 1930 in, in England, and uh, Virginia Burney was a little 12-year-old girl. Now her father worked at Oxford University, and the newspaper at the time put out a call for the um, for the entire UK to put forward a name for this new world, and she put forward Pluto because Pluto was the god of the underworld. 
and it, it took on, and they took it on, and, and she uh, she lived a life uh, as, a, as the one who um, who named him. And strangely enough, when that spacecraft New Horizons took off Pluto, it had the ashes of Clyde Tombow on board. Exactly, that's exactly and what I'm guess say. Who, guess who was at the launch? Um, Eighty-three-year-old Virginia Burney. Wow! Oh, that's a great yarn. Mm, good story. Yeah. And, and there's something else very poignant. I've been here. I, I went to the. Uh, Lowell Observatory, Graham, I spent a night there and, and, and I, I looked like at that. all the equipment yep. and I actually used the same blink comparator that, that Clyde Tombow used at the time. And do you know what, in his mem- um, at the end of his life there, <clears throat> around 1997, before they launched that spacecraft to Pluto, uh, NASA sent a telegram to him to ask permission to visit his planet. He turned to his wife, Patty, and he, he said she said he had tears in his eyes and he said to her, that's the greatest compliment anyone's ever paid me. Mm. Isn't that poignant? Well, the incredible thing about Pluto is that we all thought it was a dead, horrible ice piece of rock. And when they yeah. got there, it was anything but that. Oh, it was a big surprise. It even had geological activity going on. Yeah. So far out of the solar system. It's amazing. Yeah. But in regards to New Horizons, I knew New Horizons sped part. It, it's... I think it got gravity assist twice from Earth, mm. once from Jupiter, once from Saturn. It's travelling mm. faster than any object that we've ever launched. Um, and it did um, visit a, a object in the Kuiper Belt a uh, year or so ago. Have NASA lined it up to visit anything else? Um, yeah, I believe that we're going to. They're going out there to try and find this elusive planet that, that we talked about a little bit earlier. Mm. Um, but whether it can do that, Graham, because it's on a trajectory, um, and this planet could be you know, a couple of thousand kilometres to its left or right, we don't know. It's going out there to scout what's out there. New Horizons will simply disappear into the void and become one of the many pros we set out of our solar system. But mm. it, it's done a remarkable job. I mean, here's a, a 13- or 14-year journey, you mm. know, and, and we it left there with 1990s technology. Apparently, it's the size of a piano. Yeah, beautiful spacecraft. But I, I just think, you know, when we look at the history of a of, of space flight, the, these are the things that we should remember. These are these were done by people that didn't have massive computers to work with. It was all done by the human brain and slide mm. rules, and the mm. uh, and the human computers they used those lovely women that. Did most of those computations, you know? Oh, especially in that uh, I think that was it that movie for the Hidden Apollo figures. missions. What's yeah. it called? Sorry, Hidden Figures. Hidden Figures. What a mm. brilliant movie that was. Yeah. And the woman in that, the one that the main part, that main woman that was uh, as featured in that, mm. uh, only a couple of years ago they named a complete research centre after her, and mm. oh, uh, oh. I think that was terrific. I think she just she died. Too. She just Can died. He... Yeah, only recently, a few months yeah, ago. What a shame. Yeah. yeah. About did you see the movie, Matthew? I did see it, yeah. Yeah, with uh, Costner and... Uh, yeah, um, if any of your listeners haven't seen yeah. Hidden Figures, do yourself a favour. Mm. It's not a space movie. No. Graham, I think you'll agree, Matthew. Mm. It's, Definitely it's a, not. No. It's a human interest story. It's a great movie. Women love it. Yeah, it is a great... And it, it, as you say, and these were, were black women working at NASA and, you know, one, obviously, the, the brainiac in, in her field was... Uh, put into this room full of essentially white blokes, and she was smarter than all of them, but had to race across the whole NASA um, uh, area to use a, a female toilet. Before so. they went to the moon, Aldrin was the navigator and 
the pilot was Armstrong. A lot mm. of people don't, don't know that. He was a civilian. He, you know, he's the first civilian to walk on the moon. <laughs> he wasn't an enlisted man. But or Buzz Aldrin was the one getting the um, the computations for their flight. He had to put it all together and and keep track of where they were going. And you know what? He turned to her one day and he said to her, or the backroom boys at NASA gave them all their calculations on how to get out of Earth orbit and what to do. Yeah. But he turned to her and he said, I want yours. He said, I, I trust yours more than and he did. He used this woman's figures. Wow. More than uh, than he did the the slide room boys, you know, the slide room boys that. out at NASA. That's, so that's how good she was. You know, forget her name. Yeah, so on. do I. That's uh, excellent. It's a great movie. Go watch it yeah. if you haven't. Absolutely. Someone will ring up and remind. Yeah, me, yeah. Hey, Dave. That's all we've got time for. I'm right out of time. But thank you for that tonight, and uh, enjoy next week off. Yeah, <laughs> long, good long weekend. Thanks, Matthew. Bye bye. Thank you, Dave. Dave Renicky, editor of Astro Space News. You can uh, find all the story. I had so much more I wanted to ask him tonight too about uh, earthquakes on Mars and a six. Signal from uh, Proxima Centauri. Could it be the real deal? Life somewhere else? But uh, maybe we'll save that for a couple of weeks' time on a Monday night after Labor Day next weekend. Uh, you can find more on Dave Renneke at David Renneke, R-E-N-E-K-E, all one word, dot com. 5AA Nights with Matthew Pantelis.